Jack Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Four Jack Podcast, Canada's number one award-winning golf podcast and the fastest-growing golf podcast in America. Brought to you by friends over at TaylorMade Golf. Their new lineup for 2022 has dropped. So head over to TaylorMade Golf and check out the new line of Stealth Plus. We would also like to thank multiple Four Jack sponsors. Without their support, this show would not be possible. Jackson Labs, Therabody, Cricket Shirts, Disruptive Drinkware, Galvin Green, Pretty Golf, and wash that all down, catch up tequila soda. We're extremely excited to have a special guest on the show from one of North America's must-experience golf destinations tonight. Before we get into that guest, let's head around the country and check in with the Four Jack family on the road. Tombo, what's happening? Not too much, bud. Yeah, just what a day, what a day, what a day. Got two great things to talk about today, Tiger Woods and Charlie Woods, and then we got Bandon Dunes. Like, I'm, I'm, Christmas has come early as far as I'm concerned. How you boys doing? David, what's up? Ontario golf is officially legal, but uh, it's minus 22. So uh, we're probably about to enter lockdown again. So that is not fun. Yeah, put your mask on for the podcast. Thanks, Parks. But uh, pretty exciting day today watching Charlie just dominate, looking better than his dad. But uh, pretty cool weekend, you know, fangirl Nelly Corda. And, uh, you know, just trying to keep it warm up here with my cricket jacket. Couple shackets on the show today. Oh my god! Anyways, love that. D Lane, what's happening down there? Well, every time it's always great to follow David because I do not have those problems with a the mask and b uh, the weather. So both of those I'm winning. Uh, this one's a special one for me. We uh, our guest today is one of my favorite people in the industry. I can't wait to kind of get into a lot of this and like Tombo said, follow this up with kind of. An early Christmas present watching some of these shots today. And it's it's not very often a 12-year-old outplays a tour player, but I'm not so sure from T to green that that didn't happen. And then we're going to roll into kind of an operational discussion and a lot of fun questions to, I think, literally the best that does it. So I'm excited to uh, to jump into that. But uh, you doing all right in the desert? Yeah, living, uh, living that desert life for right now. Interesting that uh, being down here, I haven't been playing much golf, but uh, looking forward to it. Maybe January, February, we'll come out and bug you at Rolling Hills at one point. Well, without further ado, guys, the Four Jack Podcast would like to welcome PGA Master Professional Director of Resort Operations at Bandon Dunes in Bandon, Oregon, Mr. Jeff Simons. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Excited to be here. Absolutely. So I guess the elephant in the room here tonight is the PNC Championship, Tiger Woods. Did you have an opportunity to catch up on any of that golf this weekend? I've been uh, taking a peek at it a little bit this afternoon. And in Oregon, we actually at, uh, at Bannon Dunes, we had our own junior golf tournament yesterday and parent-child today. So we, we get it going on the local side as well. And uh, I was out playing golf in the rain with my kids. And we came home and turned on the tube and started watching Charlie and Tiger uh, chip away at the lead it's amazing to see what that talent tiger woods has produced that talent in charlie and i'm just absolutely stunned and shocked to see the kid's composure his poise his talent level it's just unbelievable to see that on the golf course but we're not here to talk specifically about that let's talk to jeff about what's going on in his world how's things in oregon uh, it, it's great. We've, we've 
you know, I'd like to say we're putting a bow on a fantastic year, um, but we still got a little bit of golf left before the year's over. And, and we've got a incredible 2022 lined up. So one of the, the best things about living where I do in the Oregon coast is we can get 70 degrees and sunshine on any given day, or you can get what we've got today, which is about an inch and a half of rain and uh, still a lot of golf to be played. So it's all good. Don't hate that. Love you that. guys have had, go ahead, Tom. No, I just, we can't, nobody, we got a little bit of Charlie Woods fever that I need to just cover real quick. That like, sure, I'm man. just like raging with excitement right now that like Tiger Woods early this year, it's like, we're done with woods for golf is basically where everyone's sitting with that feeling in our stomach of like, I don't know. And then I think just a father's like dedication to want to come do this with his kid. And then you watch Charlie today and you're like, dude, like we got 35, 30 years plus of tire of woods golf potentially in the making God willing that the kid just says, I want to play golf for, but like the kids move his composure, just like, even his swagger, he's got Kevin Noss swagger written all over him. Tiger Woods just picking up the coin before the putts even dropped. Like, I don't know. I love it. Before we like go full circle, I'd like, David, did you watch it? Derek, any of that? Yeah, well, I'll jump in because I watched it. And again, it's just a testament to how good these kids are becoming at a much younger age. You know, the fact that he's not winning, at, you know, his age group, he's won one event. You know, and here he is on the national stage, essentially, you know, that shot on 17, he hit to five feet, like, you know, low, closest to the pin in the whole field. And, you know, basically they had the tournament on the line at that point. And that was pretty, you know, for me, that was kind of his Augusta moment at age 12. If there's such a thing. But again, I think this event, you know, <laughs> I don't think they were expecting to have this kind of viewership. I know the CFO of PNC was on saying, you know, we're a proud sponsor or proud to be involved with the NFL, but this week the ratings are going to be down because we're watching essentially young history. And, you know, when they made 10 in a row and I'm looking at 17 going 17, 170, you know, Tiger's going to have to hit a shot and Charlie sticks to five feet. Unfortunately, they didn't get done on, you know, 18 with kind of trying to make that chip and do some woods heroics, we'll call it. But again, uh, the pride of Arkansas kind of took it down and, it was kind of cool to watch, just not Charlie Woods, but also watching uh, Charlie Stenson and, uh, you know, Ian Poulter's kid run around a little bit. Just, you know, he's sort of the fanboy for youth golf. So these kids are pretty awesome, pretty fun. I witness it every day, the involvement of, you know, young people. And I just think it's a great event. And I don't think they were expecting, you know, 15% viewership of the whole country today. So. Well, you know, it's also a perfect tie-in with our guests because nobody epitomizes family golf like the Simons family. And one of the great things as we were talking about today, like Daly played first, okay? His kid played behind him. So the better of the two shots came from the junior. And Charlie obviously had a day to remember that we'll never forget. But what's really starting to floor me is not only are these kids going to colleges and they're playing Division One University golf, they are... <laughs> They're sitting in this stage and, you know, like I said, John Daly played first today. Like he wasn't the first, he was the guy to go to when it mattered. So it was just bizarre to me to really understand that. And I've been lucky enough to play with Jeff and his family and, and watch them kind of do that. So it was kind of a tie in for me today, knowing what we were going to do this afternoon, but it was really crazy that I'm watching people putt and, you know, even when it was Stuart sink and some of these guys, like they're expecting their kids to hit tour quality shots on television 
knowing full well that nobody's watching football in America, they're all watching that. And it's like, none of these kids really melted. And I, I, I know full well, I'm not sure I wouldn't have wet myself on the first tee. Like, I don't have any idea how these guys are literally thinking, Hey, by the way, we're just going to be on national television. We're going to be on cameras and dad, you go ahead and play first. Cause I got this. You just get your little bunt out of the way and let me kind of rip it. It's like, it yeah. was nuts. Well, the one thing that I noticed is, you know, when they made birdie on 16, and Charlie with that swagger walking the 17, they had the camera crew following him. I'm like, you know, he's just walking and like, you know, he was in the moment. Like that was like the Tiger Woods stride, just kind of, you know, F you, I'm going to make the next shot. I got this dad. And, you know, they pulled it off, but at the same time, you're right. Watching some of these youngsters kind of, you know, roll the rock and Charlie did all day. And I know we could talk about that all, you know, all episode, but at the same time, you know, these kids just, they're getting better and better at a younger age and the coaching available to them is exceptional. You see it at your facility, Derek, at Rowing Hills. And it sounds like, you know, the same thing's happening across the country and places like Bandon, but, you know, awesome day of golf. Uh, unfortunately, I was got to watch my Patriots lose last night. So kind of a one for one for me. Touche. Okay. Since we're staying on this, is this the changing of the guard? This is the ultimate question. Are we seeing the handoff of the torch? Jeff, what's your take? I'll, I'll go, um, I'll first start with Charlie. You know, it's funny because people talk about, well, he, you know, he's not winning much. And, uh, you know, my answer to that is who's the best 12-year-old golfer of all time? Nobody knows because nobody cares. You know, kids 12 years old, let them be a kid or let them. Parents care. Parents care. Passionate parents care. Yeah. He's the best 12-year-old. He, he's and best 8-year-old. And 9-year-old, 10-year-old, 11-year-old. Oh, my favorite. But it's so like, does, does, does the 12-year-old grow up? the best golfer in the world if that's what he wants to be. <laughs> uh, but, but watching that swagger, you know, you know he's getting so much value out of playing with Justin Thomas and playing with guys that hang around Tiger. And I'm sure they don't cut him much slack. So, you know, he's learning like Tiger did. Of Like, there are no gimmies in life. Um, he's yeah. got to go out and earn it. So it'll be cool because I think if he wants to play golf, he'll have a little bit of that um, ability to kind of know what it's like, uh, which you can't get coaches to, to teach kids that that's, that's a something that he's lucky to get. I don't think we're, we're quite seeing the handoff to Charlie yet. Um, I think tiger hopefully has one little push left in him. I don't know if that's a major, but I think it's just being able to compete in a 72 hole tournament and get one more win. And then I, I think he's willing to ride off to the sunset. He was looking really good too. Like as far as his move, his short game is looking buttery as all hell. And it's just like, yeah. you could see maybe like a little bit of compensation in the leg, but like in his full swing, but really it was pretty seamless. And Charlie just looked like a mini T. I was just going to say, it's nothing to be on national TV when you play at Grove 23 every day with Michael Jordan and you know, right. playing ten sums every day. So this was just another day walking the park for Charlie. But, you know, again, he's had, access to the who's who of professional athletes, golfers, et cetera. He's been in that limelight, I think, going back three years ago when, you know, Tiger won that moment on 18 at Augusta. You know, that's really what, you know, sparked this kid, the interest, you know, watching his dad sort of do great things. And listen, today was special. I would have loved to see a playoff for the dailies because they couldn't be any more opposite. But at the same time, both guys have had their own struggles in life and, would have been kind of another good storyline for another hour or two take away NFL ratings. So 
Did you, and I know did, we're going to get into some other things, but the other thing that caught me is that what I really was was thinking is that they were all they were all guys, they were all young men. Um, you know, normally when you start thinking 12, 13, you're thinking ladies, you know, Lexi, and you're thinking about Morgan and people that did crazy things at 12 and 13 because distance wasn't necessarily the overriding factor. So from the golf side of it, I found it kind of interesting today that outside of Nelly, it's it's basically the guys, because usually at that age we're seeing the girls kind of take that first step, at least in, in our industry. So I thought that was kind of fascinating today to see these young men do what they did. And, and, you know, as we alluded to, it's, it's really kind of fun. Charlie, obviously the red light's not going to do anything to him. He has grown up in that, in that lifestyle, but still, you know, you could watch YouTube videos for a year of tiger and not mimic what Charlie can do naturally. And that's, what's crazy to me. It's not even what that he, he you know, he stiffed it on 17, all that. The fact that he has the, putter twirl and the club twirl and the putter move and like like that had to take a lot of like this is what I do and my dad did this and I'm going to be in this position and it's so flawless that I don't know if I watched more for the golf or for the actual entertainment you know and the fact that Justin Thomas and these guys are all reveling in this right so it was something because this much like the skins game five years ago is kind of a dead event it was fun and I know that they cared more about it to play with their sons and daughters than the actual people like us who wanted to watch it. And now it's must see TV. So I do find it a little fascinating that they didn't, I saw Harry Arnett on Twitter um, kind of reference that a little bit. And I saw a couple other people, but I, I was really kind of taken aback that there wasn't a female aspect to this because normally when we think 12, 13, we're thinking about that, you know, Lucy and these, these really young girls qualifying for all these USGA or US opens. And, and it was kind of fascinating to watch Charlie do what he did because you know, I thought the big cat looked really good other than maybe a couple of fairway woods where a little bit of torque was involved and, you know, a little bit of hip rotation needed to kind of to kind of turn it over. You could see he was still a little slow, but I, I again, I, as you know, I have, a, I have a really different insight. We were talking earlier about NBAs, but I, I'm telling you right now, you told me when February when all this stuff happened and I'm sitting at our golf shop going, this guy's never playing again. And then in December, he's on television doing this hitting cuts, doing all that other stuff. So it was really good for golf today. And again, now Hawaii is going to mean something, even if he's not in the event, it's it's good for us. And it's a perfect segue, Parksy, I know you got a, a comment, but it's a perfect segue kind of getting to what Jeff's going to kind of talk about is this growth of golf and this understanding of, hey, juniors, and he had an event today. And it, it's just going to be a blast. Yeah, I was going to say real quick here, boys, because I know we're still, you know, reveling in this Tiger mania. Uh, any swing thoughts? Anything you guys saw on TV that looks different, looks out of character, anything that really stands out, David? Well, we are in the silly season. I know at the entrance you made reference to the stealth lineup of fairway woods and drivers, which is clearly for season four in January. But uh, I don't think his golf swing was anything. I think it was just the new tailor-made equipment doing its thing and being perfect. And sorry, D-Lane, Callaway. But, uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, <laughs> stealth lineup, you know, came in stealth today. So I don't think his golf swing looked good in all, in all seriousness, but his golf swing looked very solid. I think, you know, the torque thing is going to be an ongoing issue. It'll be interesting to see if he does play at Augusta and does walk, uh, if that's even a thing. But, you know, again, I think, you know, the equipment does help at the same time. I think, you know, he looks bigger in his upper body. His short game looks, you know, Tiger 97-ish. And, um, He's jacked. He's jacked. He, yeah. I gotta, say, I gotta say, like Taylor made well done on the on the deployment of this launch of the red face and Sunday Tiger Red using that thing. Like that's money, but uh, I I just gotta point out, did John Daly not look like 
a fatter Santa. version of Billy Bob Thornton and Bad Santa out there just smoking darts and like I guess I don't know bringing a bag of trophies home for the kids but uh, yeah I don't know we don't need to kill this too much more if anybody else has a thought but I, I do think it is ironic here talking to Jeff about how they just had like a family style tournament abandoned that David after All that right. maybe we can slide I have one in. more thought last tiger comment then we're no, no more tiger comments I'm actually going to shift gears because I think there was a really cool moment between Nelly Corda uh, Peter Corda and Tiger. And I think, again, you know, I pick up on things like this, but, you know, for her to be as successful as she is all over the world and to have that aha moment, she's like, I was in total awe. But, you know, Peter Corda was interviewed right after and he's like, I he had to call his old coach. So I did some research. His coach is actually 90 years old, <laughs> which is fascinating because he's like, my nerves and like, you know, Tiger Woods isn't playing in front of us. And, you know, for that average dad or average golfer, like that's a big deal. Right. But I thought it was very cool that the Cordas kind of had that moment with Tiger. And, you know, she even said like, you know, you grow up idolizing him as a female golfer. And, you know, there he is standing 20 feet away from me. And she's like, I just couldn't help myself. I had to go say hello. So I thought that was cool. So we beautiful. Love that. Yeah, let's change gears, Jeff. Let's jump into Bandon. Talk to us about your, you know, sort of introduction to the facility and your lifespan. It, it almost seems like doing some research on you. They must have found you wandering the property because it seems like you've been there since day one. So give us a little insight. I, I, I missed day one. I'm a little bummed about that. Uh, I got to talk to my high school guidance counselor about not, <laughs> not setting me on the right schedule there. But uh, no, I moved up to Bandon in 2004, and um, I, I grew up in Idaho, um, went to school in the Boise area, learned to play golf in eastern Idaho area, um, and, and really just always was around the game of golf. Um, and as I graduated from college, I played college golf at the College of Idaho. Uh, I knew I wanted to stay in golf and, and be a club professional, and I kind of took a, a look around the Boise area and most of the golf courses had had pros that were in their forties, let's say, and I'm, you know, I'm a young 22, 23 years old. And it, it had always been a stagnant market. There wasn't a lot of movement and I didn't want to be an assistant golf professional for, you know, 15, 20 years and just sit there and scrub clubs and, and grind out Monday pro-ams uh, to try and make a living. And, um, my wife's a great player as well. She played at Boise state and, uh, she's from Seattle. And we basically just said, you know, we'd been married for all of three or four months. And it's like, let's go mix up life and, and go explore something. And I reached out to interviewed at a couple places, whether it was Hawaii Bandon and, um, some Colorado spots, but basically, uh, we went out and visited Bandon dunes and it, it blew my mind, um, seeing what was here on the Oregon coast. I had always watched the open championship and literally thought it was the most goofy type of golf there was. And it was my least favorite major championship because I didn't understand it. And after playing, you know, 18 holes abandoned dunes during a job interview, I mean, it, it didn't matter what they offered me as long as it was somewhere at the resort, I was going to take it because it, I mean, it, it changed my life um, literally at that spot and put me on a, an incredible path. And it's just been an amazing journey for the last 18, 19 years. Take us through that journey of just like understanding that like Scotland style of golf that you're like, yeah, I wasn't really into this. And then coming over here and now having to like play some of these different shots, like what did that do for you? 
so it's kind of simple to explain it at the private club I was working at in Boise. Um, easiest way is I'd gotten a brand new set of tailor-made rack irons, uh, right when I graduated college, couldn't wait to go play them. First hole's driver lob wedge, second hole's driver lob wedge, third wedge hole. Anyway, all the way till the seventh hole of the first part three when I actually got to hit one of these new irons. And then ninth hole's part three. And it was one of those, I went through a round of golf and I only hit five different clubs in a round of golf. Yeah. And it's like, boy, that, why am I packing a full set? And when I went and played Abandoned Dunes, literally used every single club. And then I realized I don't even know how to use the clubs the right way for some of the shots and so by the time i moved up it was funny i was at, at the resort for about two months before my wife was able to move out there and had this big jar of old golf balls that you know they get a little nick on it and i'd toss it in there and, and i call them like honey don't throw the balls out bring, bring them up i need to reload my ammo up here uh and and it took a while to, to learn how to play golf at, at Bandon Dunes Golf Resort and figure out how to hit a, a bump and run and a lag putt and, you know, fly the ball down shots that I'd never learned growing up. And that's where I really kind of grew to love the open championship. And it's truly the most complete player wins that, that championship. That's amazing. Like I hundred percent relate to everything you're saying about golf, where you're just like, you're used to like driver wedge driver wedge when you're playing like some types of golf courses. And then even going back to like my experience, meeting D lane for the first time in person went to rolling Hills. And then it's like, you have these greens with these surrounds where like I ended up having like a 60 yard putt at one point that like had a Valley in the middle. And I'm like, dude, I don't even know how to hit this shot that like going through that. You eventually kind of like you find an appreciation for like the things you don't know about the game that there's like still more to discover. And you're like, cool. This is like revitalizing to my game to like, leverage my creativity and like try things and be like oh that's crazy that that's how that works and it's like this pursuit of perfection that never comes it just adds another layer to that they're like cool like i could see how someone gets i'll I'll be abandoned i don't care what i have to do i just want to play golf at a place like this that's kind yeah, of yeah david go well i'm just gonna say you know i'm gonna add, add to this that. yeah well no again i think my first experience with Lynx Golf, you know, I was at Kings Barnes and anyone's familiar with there. I hit perfect drive. My my caddy says to be on number 10. He goes, I want you to hit it about 40 yards in front of you. And I said, no, I'm going to hit a lob wedge, spin it on the green. And he goes, I love that you're laughing because you know exactly what I'm talking about. But I, I uh, probably have the same said, Yeah, he basically said hit an eight iron or a nine iron 40 feet. And I said, no, I'm going to land on the front. I'm going to spin it. I hit what I thought was the greatest 60 degree wedge from 80 yards of my life. And I was about 90 yards over the green. So again, at the level of creativity, he literally dropped the golf ball, took my forearm, tapped it down the fairway and ran right to the pen. So again, I think, you know, it's pretty cool. at links golf and never being out to abandon it's of all the golf courses I have played. It's one of those bucket list things, but all the people I talk to, they talk about, you know, the similarities to Scotland and England and, you know, that true link style. And it's just, it's pretty awesome. And I love that you're talking about the creativity of it because, you know, as someone that's hit it pretty far his whole life, I hit a lot of 58, 54s my whole, whole life at a lot of golf courses. So, And it's, it's kind of crazy to think about just like Bandon in general and existing and like Mike Kaiser's journey to like bring old golf to America. And then it's like, there is this property just on the coast of Portland that like 
is the perfect scene for that. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's pretty mind blowing. Cause I know no laying up, you guys have done a lot of stuff with them and it's cool to dive into their band and content and start to unfold the layers of like how Bandon actually came to be and learning more about how you were, let's shake it up, baby girl. We're going to move to the coast and do this, which is also cool that like to be in that relationship with another golfer that like you can decide, Hey, like we can, we can do this anywhere. Where do we want to be? And let's shake that up. D lane. You got anything you want to ask? Cause I know you well, know Jeff I'm well. dangerous because we're talking about <laughs> the Mecca. And so I've been lucky. Uh, Jeff has treated me very kindly. I have one or two rounds up there. And for me, it's the living museum of golf. You know, that's, that's what I find. It's, you're talking about the best of the best. I've got a DMK on one side and then I've got a core Crenshaw and then I go to Doak and then I've got a collaboration. And, you know, for as many times as we've traveled and I've been very lucky that Jeff's let me pick his brain and talk about a lot of things. As you guys know, I left one of the best golf courses in the world in the desert and I headed over to a golf course in LA that's going to play coastal. And there was a lot of, there's just a lot of things I needed to know from a, a conditioning standpoint. And I'm not on the Oregon coast, which is raw and it's tough and it's, it's for real. Um, but the thing that I've always thought and that, that I've talked about is I love the fact that architecturally there's so many different options. Okay. So like most people will go up there and trails is such a fascinating golf course. And it's the one I don't play because I live and grew up in Minnesota. So if you go to the Northern part near the Canadian border, there's a lot of that sand, a lot of that kind of golf course. I just want to be on the coast because it's such an experience, but I'm telling you right now, if somebody kicked you out of a helicopter, like it's a movie and you land on the 12th little Mac, there's no possible way, you know, you're in the coastal United States. You don't have any idea. The golf course plays as it should. It's designed to be, um, you know, I'm going to call it European, but it's designed to play differently. And there's nothing that makes me happier than going up with a bunch of people and they're pissed off because the ball doesn't do what they want it to do. And that to me is when I think Bandon wins. And I just have never been to a place that has the service level, the accommodations, the staff, the kindness, everybody knows the, the legend of shoe. And then you get to see Jeff if, if he's around and you've got all of these people that want you to be part of their experience. But most importantly, it doesn't play like anything else. And for me, I love the simple fact that it doesn't do what it's supposed to do. So I've said it since I've known you guys, the greatest sight in the world is walking on abandoned and seeing four caddies in whites because you're going to have the best day ever. If you see them in black and they're in slickers, then you know what? Prepare for something completely different. But the great thing is we all have to play in it. And I just think Lynx Golf is the perfect way to find four people and truly understand that the journey is that. Like when I take a caddy and I was just playing with Mike Lynch last weekend, and to me, he's the super looper up there. You just know that I just use pluses and minuses. So if, if the caddy tells me to shot and I pull it off, it's a plus. If I don't, it's a minus. And I don't care what the score is. It's like, how many times can I make my golf ball do what the caddy wanted to do, even though it's completely foreign, like David was talking about, to the ability. And then, you know, you start throwing in solstices and you start throwing all the things that Bannon offers. And, you know, I'm the biggest junkie in the world. And it's kind of why I'm so stoked to have Jeff on because he really was the one to me that made this national. The golf shops, every presentation, perfect. Accommodations, the bus schedule. I just want the secret to the bus schedule because nobody does it within three minutes, boom, you're ready to go. You can go anywhere. And they offer all different kinds of fare. And I just think it's the best. So Jeff, kind of let's get into a little bit about the architecture, because I think that's where a lot of people start. You know, everybody's going to say, what's your favorite? And now you throw in sheep and you've got all these different things. And let's be honest, the best of them all might be a 13 hole golf course. So 
Let's talk a little bit about what you think from an architecture standpoint and really kind of take in what you want people to know about what your property offers. I think the biggest thing is we've got a variety. And, you know, if the five of us were going out to eat dinner, we're not all going to order the same thing. And that's what we offer is we've got a variety. Everything's good. You know, if, if we all ordered a meal, we'd pass around, we'd all enjoy what the other person have, but it might not be what fits our taste the most. And, and that's where it's fun because at, at Bandon Dunes, you have a trip and then, you, you know, that group goes home and they start talking about their trip because only golfers are crazy enough to think that everyone wants to hear about what just happened all over again. And, and you try and argue and make a point for, you know, Bandon Dunes is best. No, Pacific Dunes. No, it's Sheep Ranch now. Um, it, it's just fun because there's not a right answer. There's not a wrong answer. There's good arguments every which way around. And you're always going to have people that agree with you. And then there's going to be people that disagree with you. So it's, it's just such an easy conversation to have because it can go on and on and on. And again, talking about golf is fun. And, um, the, you know, the biggest thing is just that it was able to be successful and, you know, golfers flock to it to make one golf course turn into two and two into three and three into four, four into five. And again, then a sand Valley, then a Cabot and, you know, whatever comes next and on and on, you know, that doesn't happen without Americans embracing it. And, uh, it's been fantastic. Can we talk a little bit about the evolution of the golf course? You were DOG at one capacity. You're in the, you know, director of resort operations role now. Talk to us a little bit about that timeline and have, what's been impacted and sort of the growth and the evolution of the property. Yeah, so it, it was funny. When I, I first started as just a seasonal golf shop assistant. So I, I started in April. I had a job through October in 2004. And uh, my goal was just somehow find a full-time job so I didn't have to move again. And um, Tim Tucker, who caddied for Bryson, he actually was the first assistant at Bannon Dunes. He and I started at kind of the same time. Um, great dude. And um, we just had a solid team. But but basically, he had that – he's a PGA professional as well, but he kind of had that itch to go caddying. And um, my, my first three months at the resort, I bought – around and I went from the Bannon shop to the Pacific shop to guest services to caddy services and so within four months I had a really deep understanding of how the resort was kind of working and um, when Tim, le Tim left and I, I was promoted to the first assistant of Bannon Dunes so a job I was looking to have within the first three years of being there I got there in four months and it, it kind of was an equation changer of like okay now I can uh, you know let's look at a long-term lease and let's let's start finding out what is the next step. And, um, in 2005 band and trails opened up and that's really why I moved out there was I knew that as soon as that opened up, that's another head golf professional. That's another first assistant, um, more jobs, more expansion. And I was promoted to the head professional position at Pacific dunes. And I mean, that's four or five years sooner than I ever anticipated 24 years old. I'm the, the head pro at Pacific dunes and a month later becomes the number one golf course in America. And, you know, just talk about mind blown. And that's kind of um, right in the peak of that 05 period is when Bandon Dunes just kind of started. You started seeing it on the cover of magazines. Um, There's a great article about trails. There was an article about, you know, the Sheep Ranch being this mystery golf course at the same time. Um, 
so that's kind of when the marketing and, and the press really started finding out more about the resort. 07 was a huge year for us. We added some additional lodging, things like that, to where we could, you know, really start to get more people um, visiting and playing golf. And, um, you know, my role stayed the same at Pacific Dunes. The, the resort's always been fantastic with people that want to grow within the hospitality industry. Um, I, I basically kind of said that I, I've got this desire to, to continue to grow when I was a head professional. And I, um, Tom, is that a question? Does that mean you got a question? That means like when you're done going through and taking us down everything that like, <laughs> yeah, so you're, I, I, you're saying dibs, I got it. I got so, yeah, dibs. this is our internal yeah. signal. Yeah. You're catching on real quick. Yeah. You're the first one in like three years. that's identified Every, that. So congratulations. So There's a level of service. This is chimes. Yeah. This is yeah. like chimes, but we had no chimes. Touche. I don't I, know what the hell you were I, doing. I, I yeah, was wondering good. what David is doing when he's doing the fingers down, but uh, yeah, Jeff. Happy since, hands, maybe. I don't know. Spirit fingers. Since, you did send it over to me before I drift completely into darkness because I'm in a new place that doesn't have a light. I just, you've you've got my curiosity peaked here, and I'm just thinking like I've never actually been to Bandon. I've read about it. I've seen all the videos, had conversations with many people that love it, and it's like I'm just thinking, yeah, like as someone, we're in the holiday season, and if someone really wanted to go play Bandon and like that's that's now what I'm going to do. I haven't done it. Let's let's now do this in life. Like what is the best way to go about experiencing it for someone that hasn't, I guess, is the the question. Like what should Break, they do? Break that down for us. Great question, Batman. Yeah, exactly. I'm just drifting off into the darkness. I was born in the dark. <laughs> if you don't have D Lane's number, then you can't call him because he's got the full inside scoop. Uh, he's <laughs> okay. probably gonna write a book about it here soon. But um, there's a couple things. Obviously, you know, our website has a lot of great information on there, and that's probably the best spot to go and do a little self uh, exploring into the different golf courses, amenities. Um, you know what it is you're looking for because you got to figure out we're uh, we're in a remote area. So how long do you want to come out and visit for? What's your golf stay look like? Where are you coming from? Is it two flights and a drive? Is it three flights and a drive? Um, so you got to kind of pick your poison there of, of what's going to be your travel wheels yeah, up. I'm Dave, wheels up is a great way. Um, do you have a runway on location specifically for <laughs> our wheels up people? It's, it's not that far away. If, uh, if the weather's good. All right. But, but our website's great. And, and again, there's so many different, um, you know, places that have, have talked about it and done stories, whether you're into checking out podcasts, whether you're into, you know, doing some reading on, on various stuff, it, there's, there's information out there. Uh, literally the best though, is our reservations team. We've, we've got a, a staff of, you know, we'll call them 30 people that are answering the phones and they're talking to people. And um, one of the areas that, that we're purposely, lacking is we don't do online bookings and that's because it is so important when you book your trip to talk with someone that knows exactly what is needed from accommodations from golf to um, restaurant reservations to you know making sure that the experience is what you're looking for and you can't do that by clicking a couple buttons and entering a credit card number in right and and you can book something as little as you know, in a 15, 20 minute phone call with one of our agents, especially if you've been here before, it's like, great, here's my lineup, you know, find me the days. Uh, but if you've never done it, 
you know, some of our agents, you know, they've spent 45 minutes or an hour on, on the phone with people who are asking questions and, you know, you don't have to worry about asking dumb questions. You don't have to say, Oh, I'm sorry. You know, I, I don't know what I'm doing because until you've done it, of course you don't know what you're doing. And it's, it's hard to talk about that. So um, our, our team is so good at just walking you through the process and talking about it. And you really need to book your golf and your lodging at the same time. Cause sometimes people will book lodging and they, they'll go, I'll call back to book golf later. Don't do that because you might not be able to get the times you want when you call back later. That's uh, perfect. That's so a, you know, the best and, way. And, and Jeff's not look lying. At the website. And Tombo, kind of the, the, the one, the thing that, that, that I'm, Jeff's kind of alluding to, and he's, he's so gracious in the thought process about it, is when you play multiple times, you find your own path. Okay. I have flights from different cities that I know you're going to get there. So now if you're somebody who's going for your first time, I will tell everybody, don't go through San Francisco and don't go to North Bend get away to go to Portland and rent the, rent the vehicle. Or if you want to take a little bit more of a risk, get to Eugene. And then you're going to start staying in Chrome. You might stay in Lily Pond, which are different lodging. And then if you get the chance, you start figuring out that, you know, that the Grove is the place to be when you get the right people. And I have certain rotations and, you know, I'm there multiple times every year. And Jeff has kind of been really good because he's always kind of told me about the path of which is your own. And so like, we know that like the last day is always going to start on Bandon and it's always going to end on pack. I mean, excuse me, start on pack and it's going to end on Bandon because it's the perfect way to end the trip. But what you find is, is everybody has their own thing. Like I love McKees. I don't really need to go to a lot of the other places. It's my happy place. And the thing about Bandon is there's 18 different happy places on property and you kind of have to find your own path. So I tell everybody the first time, just get to Portland, rent a car, because the drive is almost as good as when you get there. Like if you go through the Valley of Eugene and you go the back way, take your time to get there. I mean, Oregon is one of the most beautiful places in the world. And then you get to the coastal side of it and you hit the dunes and you take the left and then you start getting the excitement and then you know what's coming and then you're going to stop. And if you're in the Grove, you might stop at one of the supermarkets and get some libations for later. And you're going to do all of these things. And then you're going to go to McKee's right when you get there. And then before you know it, five days is gone in a flash because Jeff and his team have made every single move you they've made it before you did and i think that one of the things people really lose now let's be honest you know i know david's going to talk about sea island and we're going to talk about all these great places <laughs> but one of the things you've got to figure out band of dunes is i call it the happy place because they're always a step ahead of you and the bus schedule and the restaurant schedule and the way the beer is is always ready and you just don't want for things, the kind of halfway houses and the, the way you can turn on the turn stands, whether it's pack or old Mac, and you just figure out your path and then you become so religious to it. It's almost gospel. Like you just fall in love with what you fall in love with. And I'm always the weird guy. Cause I don't want to go. I don't want to go to trails, but trails is so effing good that if it was on its own and it was in Reno, it's a top 10 golf course in the world. And so you just kind of have to figure it out. And I tell everybody, and I'm, I've got a milestone birthday next year that I'm taking 16 guys for a week. And like, I'm going to go every time somebody says, where are you going? I'm going there. And, and it's just, it's not, I travel to Scotland, Ireland, or England every year. There's nothing to me that takes five days of your world and makes it feel like you just are in Shangri-La, like Band of Dunes. So I give huge kudos to Jeff and to their team because they allow you to create your own itinerary. They allow you to create your own experience, but they allow you to duplicate it on the next trip. That's really rare in our business. I got a comment, a question, and a statement. Comment, we can't tell at all, Derek, that you like 
this property. Like there's no, there's no denying it, obviously. Listen, I'm a shill and happy to be such. Second thing is two rounds of golf out there. I find that hard to believe. I think it's probably upwards of double digits or even triple. And lastly, Mr. Simons, this is an official question now. Is Derek on the payroll abandoned by chance? Chief marketing officer? Yeah, what's going on here? Chief bus That's officer? the best thing is he's not. And uh, as, as great as Derek is, there's a thousand more of him. And we call them bandanistas. And they come and they start playing and they find their own happy places. And it's what they do. He, he talked about the solstice a little bit earlier, but uh, on the week of June during the summer solstice, we do a, a solstice event where we play four golf courses. Originally, it was the four golf courses. Since we had a cheap ranch, we play four of the five. Uh, we have th there's people that have gotten tattoos of the solstice logo on their leg. There's people that have the ghost tree at Old McDonald tattoo on their body. Um, you know, Janella is a great friend of the resort. He named his son Bandit. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's amazing what people do, and it's amazing how this game influences, you know, our lives to, to where you make these things where some people might say it's crazy, others it's, you know, I've got to do it. It's, it's and, such a big part of me. And literally, we did 103 holes uh, on my last solstice, you know, uh, so I've done five, and it's like, you don't stop and you think the adrenaline, it has nothing to do with it, it's the experience, because I'm not woke. Okay. We all know I'm not into the woke golf thing and it's not my thing, but there is soul abandoned. It's the first place in my life that wasn't in the UK. It wasn't in, a, you know, it wasn't in Scotland. It wasn't Ireland. It wasn't whatever it in that area of the world, there is so much soul abandoned. And I think that's what he's talking about. So yes, Matt and everybody else that goes up there, they all find their own version of it. And it's just different. And, and again, I give all the credit to the simple fact that Mike and his team just let it become what it became. We are so forced, and I obviously spent a lot of time at a Fazio golf course. You kind of get forced into things, right? Cart pathing, and you don't want to see the bunkers when you look backwards. And everybody has their whole shtick. You know, David, obviously, I'm a DMK course, just like what like the original Bannon is. But there isn't that up there. Everybody just kind of created what the land gave them. And it's just soulful. And Tombo and all you guys that haven't, I mean, you'll understand. And, and it sounds foolish that when you talk like this and it's like, I'm a grown man just going on and on. But there is so much to grab from it. And you got that. Gush, gushing. <clears throat> Sorry, David, before you slide in, I just want to say, uh, like, I bet David is one of those people with a solstice tattoo on his calf. I mean, I not not David. It. So Derek, it's not weird that Derek. I have the C. Allen tattoo. I yeah. still have room over here. I'm kidding. I thought it was a neck tattoo. I thought it was a neck tattoo. Whatever, you know, Sea Island. Got, <laughs> um, no regrets. I, I love a lot of golf courses, but I'm keeping a, my first tattoo for Bandon, allegedly. But anyway. Or more importantly, Jeff, what's what's the golf game looking like? You've had this, you know, 20-year tenure to practice and be creative and imaginative and work on different things. How effective is the golf game now and, and what kind of golf are we playing? So – I mean, I'm all right. I'm, I'm, I'm a one. I'll say I've in the last year or two, I've bounced between a plus 1.8 all the way to a two. And it swings somewhere in that pendulum depends on the time of year. It depends on golf. Um, I was battling really hard for a while. My, my oldest son is 14 and, uh, he started giving me a run for my money when he was 12 oh. and, uh, 
I held him off until I turned 40 a year ago before he beat me. And um, my youngest son's 11 and he kicked my butt way, way sooner than I was ready for. So it's, it's great because I've got a family of four, my, my wife included, I can go out there and shoot 75 on any given day and get beat. So it, it keeps it fresh. Did you ever consider, and I'm going way back, did you ever consider going to Idaho State University? Never. Never? Never. Was it going to be a potato joke? The potato man. I I was born in Pocatello, but I never went back there. Too much snow. All right. Got it. And by the way, he's not kidding about his beautiful wife. She, she, they were lucky enough. I was lucky enough to play with them at Rolling Hills when they came down. Jeff and his family are huge basketball fans and they came down for a couple of games and, uh, we were all fighting for second place in that foursome. Nice. I got to ask, sorry, Parksy. I got to just ask quickly knowing that it's PNC weekend and band and father family style tournament play that like, how did you did you play with the kids this weekend? We, we did. So today was parent-child. Uh, my wife played with my oldest son, Peyton, at Bannon Trails. I played with my youngest son, Jackson, at uh, Bannon Dunes. Um, Jackson and I shot a 75, which finished us in the top five. It's just a, a, a best ball, no handicap. Um, one of the great experiences we had is I, I was teaching him on the putting green how to putt with a seven iron because the first seven holes, there was so much water flowing through the greens that uh, – to avoid the skid, you get a little loft on it, and uh, it was great. My uh, my wife and son Peyton they shot seventy four, finished second over there. So uh, ultimately, Jackson and I we picked the wrong golf course. So there's three options you could play: Sheep Ranch, Trails, or Bandon. I was hoping everyone would want to go to Sheep Ranch, all the, the great players, since it's still pretty fresh. But apparently, uh, I guess wrong. I I ran into the tough crowd, and uh, we finished near the top five, but. Again, we had so much fun. We knew it was going to just dump rain and, you know, we, we load up in our Gore-Tex and, you, you know, you embrace it and we had smiles and uh, it was fun. We got done and it's like, you want to go play more or do you want to go watch golf? And today Galvin we're supposed Green. to go watch golf. Galvin Green Gore-Tex is great, I hear. That's, that's what sponsor, we were rocking. Sponsor of the show. There you go. Nice plug. So, so you guys were doing dishes tonight. Is that the, uh, is that the payback? They were low, <laughs> so you guys get to get to clean up? It's pizza night tonight. We got some oh, basketball here soon. Uh, I, I coach middle school basketball as well. So we've got some open gym season yes. starts January 3rd and uh, getting the kids some, some gym time. You know, and that's Jeff. It was what the last question I have is, is a little bit away from Bannon Dunes and the operations of which, you know, inside and out. Let's talk a little bit. You and I had a great conversation when we played about multi-sports uh, and the fact that golf isn't just golf with your family. They, you guys do everything. You hike, you bike, Let's talk a little bit about one of the things we didn't touch in the PNC is, you know, I'm hoping that Charlie takes up lacrosse and I'm hoping that some of these kids find other sports. I still believe with all of my heart that the best way to success is to learn how to win and things that you're not the best at. And obviously golf is going to be pretty easy for some of those guys, but let's talk a little bit about your two sons and what you guys do as a family kind of incorporating a lot of other sports and activities into your lifestyle. Well, we started them off. Both of them were in Taekwondo from the age of, three or four on uh my oldest was a black belt my youngest uh didn't quite get to a black belt by the time we stopped doing it because we wanted him to play 18 holes quicker than my than Peyton but that was great because it taught him flexibility it taught him controlling their body it taught him on 
you know, it's, there's weight transfers and how to uh, apply forces, which they didn't know, but it correlates to golf and it correlates to other sports as well. Um, so it was great. We played a lot of basketball. Uh, they played soccer during the, the younger days. And, you know, the biggest thing is there's no need to be specialized in a single sport at the age of 10, at the age of 12, at the age of 15. Um, you know, we've personally chosen to stay away from football just because of, you know, here there's so few kids on the team. You end up playing offense, you play defense, and, you know, it's doubling up the amount of, uh, of hits that they're taking. And, you know, there's injuries and the speed and age and size of kids. I mean, it, it's impressive how talented uh, athletes are around, but at the same time, it's dangerous uh, potentially as well. So we, we've played multiple different sports. They're now down to basketball and golf, um, which are very complementary of each other during the seasons. Um, my oldest son started, he's in high school, so they started basketball probably about three or four weeks ago. So he's been locked in on that. And he had to dust off the golf clubs for this weekend and hadn't played before. And, you know, he's a little bummed that he's going in cold, so to speak. But, you know, didn't matter. He got out there, he had a great time, hit the ball great. Um, and, and, and he's excited for basketball to finish up and golf to start March 1st because he'll be a freshman, he'll be competitive, and uh, he, he's still kind of a short guy. He hasn't, hasn't hit the growth spurt yet, but when he's on a golf course, it doesn't matter how tall he is. He can compete just like anyone else. So it, there's that equalizer in golf. Yeah, and, you know, as, as a fellow PGA golf professional, I, I'm all in on that camp, too. I, I just I see so many, so many kids jumping in, you know, at 11, 12, and this is all they do. And they do it every day and they hit balls. And by the time they're 16, it's just like they could care less about the sport. So I, I just really I think it's awesome the way that that um, you guys do it in teams in Team Simons is really on board with that whole thing. Like I actually, Mary, when you say you had to dust off the clubs, like, I think that's awesome. I really do. I think, holy cow, there's other interests in life to just doing that now. I, again, you're going to have somebody who's going to do that. And then, you know, another golf course we haven't even talked about with crossings and, you know, what you guys can do as a family there that's not part of the resort. And it's just, I think it's insanely, insanely, insanely important that people understand that you just have to diversify as a child and you got to get them, you know, that's how you build calves and it's how you build athletic thought process. And competition in golf is a different competition. I played a lot of football, you know, and I did a lot of things when I was younger. I was never the best at it, but I just, it's a, it's a different set of mentality. You know, when you're playing on a line and you're trying to help other people and it, you play basketball and are you, you somebody that's creating, or are you somebody that's working off the ball? And I just think there's so many different things that we can do into that. And I think it was really kind of a neat thing between what you and your family does with that. So I appreciate you letting us kind of on the inside on that. I think the other Absolutely. interesting thing that like when you deal with golf as an individual sport and then like basketball is very much a team sport and it like helps a person become like, cause idea isn't like to be a one dimensional, like athlete in life. It's to be a three dimensional human. And it's like sports is a good metaphor for learning a lot of things that like when you step back and take a macro look at life that like it's, it, there's a symbolism or a lesson to be learned about life. And I think like going from golf, which is definitely like individual accountability, like you're, you're going to live or die by your own sword versus like going into basketball and like, okay, we're in this as a team. Like, where do I fit into the team? And then even just like going from like the level of conditioning that basketball takes to actually like 
play it right like you're constantly running back and down the court and then you get fouled when you're shooting and then now you got to slow your heart rate down to try and hit that shot that like is definitely going to benefit you on the golf course of like how do I get in that pre-shot routine that flow how do I slow things down and like be in the moment so it is cool to hear about just like the Simmons family of I'm going to just start calling you guys freak athletes as far as I'm concerned because like it sounds (laughs) like it I really think it's unique too about the martial arts aspect. There's a lot of like sneaky discipline, self-control, respect integrated into that sort of world of thought process and, and old sort of, I don't know, history in, in the sport, if you want to call it that. So little, very, very cool. Little David, wax on wax I have off. one last question that we'll transfer. If there was an athletic ability test for young kids – would you put your kids in it like an SAT for 10 year olds and 11 year olds, 12 year olds, put them through like seven or eight different exercises and, um, you know, to see where they stack against other kids regionally and nationally. Is that something that would interest the, the fam? I, I, I think I would do it if it wasn't a post-it, here's how you rank. And it's basically says like, okay, you're not going to succeed in anything because Again, it, there's growth spurts, and kids hit their their speed at different times. And even when I compare my two kids, my oldest, he's a May birthday. My youngest is a February. So how they win or lose is so different because my, my youngest is towards the older age group of his age group, and my oldest is at the young side. And so there's nine months difference. And and one of my favorite books is Outliers from Malcolm Gladwell, and he talks about nailed it. You know all the best hockey players, what are their January or February birthdays, right? Yeah. Because they're the oldest kids there, which gets them the best coaching, the best playing time, you know, yeah. on and on and on. And they all end up in the NHL. So if you have a kid born in May, yeah, it's he's not playing hockey. At the age where it really uh, matters, it's because they're like a year actually is a big difference in that like 10 year old range. So that that kid that's born in January gets noticed a little earlier and then he gets the coaching and the development around. Look, exactly. look at, look at Charlie. I just, Woods. To, I just need to let everyone know that Malcolm Gladwell is from Waterloo, Ontario, Canada, the center of the universe. Just so American listeners. And do we have so, a buzzer? Keep going, keep going. We'll just keep going. That's a good plug. He's, he's fantastic. But you are correct. Cause I'm a July. So I, I was one of those that went in early before all of this data came out. And then you start looking at LeBron and Michael and these guys, and they're all in that, they're all in that December and kind of thing. So I'm completely agreeing with Jeff, you know, just because today, like you watch John Daly win something. So let's just kind of have remove athleticism away from that conversation. Yeah. Because while the guy has amazing freak talent, we're not going to qualify him as an athlete. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Nicotine plus caffeine equals protein, Derek. That's the ultimate combination. Listen, I'm, hey, I'm, I'm not smelt either. So I'm not, I'm not commenting on anybody. I'm just saying. (laughs) When you start talking about the athletic ability, I think it has a lot more to do with that mental thought process. But if it was inclusive, fun, like stuff yes. like that, that gets the kids out there and competing, I think Correct. it's positive. So. Yeah. Go All right. Go. One, one of the things that we also do with our kids is we they, they go to a fitness class two or three times a week. And instead of them coming home and, you know, playing video games, it's just working on fast twitch. It's, you know, it's basketball focused this time of year. It's golf focused. Sometimes it's, you know, they think lifting weights is cool and, and it's more about just keeping them healthy. Um, but it, it's great. And, you know, the basketball is good because you can play golf 
and you're going to lose 99% of the time you're out there playing. And all golf really does to kids is teach you that you're not a winner. And so playing team sports is great because you can draft off other kids and you can experience winning and build up some confidence. And golf's kind of brutal that way. You know, you have one bad swing and all of a sudden, boom, you're gone. I mean, you look at the PGA Tour, if you if you give up half a shot around, you lose by two. I mean, I love that perspective. That's lost five hundred thousand dollars to the other guy who barely beat you. Golf teaches you how to be a loser. That's just yeah, that's prime. That's prime. That's it. That's it. How to lose gracefully and keep coming back for more. Right. Until you do get something. Maybe the title of your new book, maybe Tom. Yeah, golf. Four Jack Podcast. I don't lose gracefully. Boys, we're going to shift gears here. We're going to do something fun to close out the show. Jeff, we like to call this segment the rapid fire, not so rapid fire. So, 10 skill testing questions coming your way. Let us know when you're ready. I I guess I'm This sounds like uh, Dave's athletic ability test, but (laughs) I I guess I'm ready. We won't post the scores. Tombo, start the clock. Hold on, though. Presented by Cricket Shirts. Let's get our plugs in for our sponsors, which we are doing a great job of plugging tonight. Joe Oldham and I, we, we played in Cabo or Puerto Vallarta. I can't remember which one it was in a tailor-made tournament a couple years ago. That, that dude that. can move the golf ball. They, David, <laughs> David's played with them recently, actually. So, David, any insight? You uh, maybe uh, were on the hook for some beers after the round, potentially? Always on the hook for beers after the round, but no. Let's, just, <laughs> let's get out here with the rapid fire. I don't need to talk about it. <laughs> All right. Golf games, people. Tom, we'll restart the clock. Question number one, Jeff, and this is probably the hardest one out of the 10. What did you have for breakfast today? Pre-tournament warm-up. Same thing. I have five out of seven days a week. It's a breakfast sandwich. Bagel, bacon, egg, cheese. My wife and I each have one of those. My kids get burritos. The bacon and cheese. I love that. Oh, Chef Jeff in the house. Love that. All right. Question number two, what's in the bag currently? What are we swinging? I got uh, 770s for irons. I got MG3 wedges, uh, 50, 54, 58. I got a Sim 2 driver for about another two weeks before that bad boy gets replaced. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sim 2 three wood and uh, Sim 2 hybrid. I was going to ask if you got a little bonus Christmas grift early with the stealth it, and a red face I, on it. It should should be on its way, hopefully, here pretty soon. Cool. Lips um, are sealed on that one, potentially. Potter is a um, straight from Billy Price at TaylorMade. I got an arm lock uh, special. Now, you're not doing the cooch reverse now where it's on the right, are you? I don't even, I don't know how he does that. I thought the same thing. Like, I've seen uh, – that one flew me away today. That, that was odd. It's like the tennis forearm lock. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Yeah, Question number three. Parts. Well, hey, it works for him. He's going to say, ma- made some money. Right. <laughs> Question number three, Jeff, are you an outfit guy? Any specific brand you want to plug? Is there a look you're going for? Do you just get dressed in the dark and go to the golf course? What are we looking at? It, it, it changes a little bit. Um, I've, I've been an Adidas guy for a long, long time. I love what they're doing of converting all their, their products over to recycled plastics and reducing plastic waste out there. Um, so fantastic stuff. We do a lot with Peter Millar and, and again, throwing that on yourself looks good. Um, Grace and Nike. I mean, you name it. Golf is so lucky to have so many different people out there that, uh, that dresses and make us look good. 
do any of them make a shacket like the good folks at Cricket? Because I think we're going to have to ship you some because Portland is the perfect place. Well, Oregon, I guess you're not Portland, Portland, but like Oregon is the perfect place for the old Cricket shacket. It might get a little soggy on the golf course, so all that cord. Yeah, like you're not so, wearing soaking it. up that rain. This is after like, the round shacket. Yeah, like, sounds there great. You go. This is like a, the Pinot Noir. Yeah, Lane doesn't have right. one. It's a, di- it's a dinner thing. Right, like it's fancy. It's not, it's, not a, it's not a SoCal thing. It's a smoking jacket. We're still having a little issue with the, the delivery on my cricket stuff. We'll get it though. Yeah, 2020 is coming, uh, dropping <laughs> in 2022. I think, I think it, it went it, to Kuwait. I was going to say it's on. It's on the. It's on the David. Whatever the delivery system that David has, we haven't quite figured it out. But somewhere that tracking number is going to pop up. It's it doesn't want to be things about the center of the universe, but uh, shipping from the center of the universe doesn't seem to work correct. Well. It's probably stuck yeah, that, on one of those like 90 fact. shipping containers that are out yeah. in the Bay of Long Beach, right? That's right. The Vespa ran out of gas somewhere in Italy. Uh, question number four, Jeff. We're going out to play bandit. We need a warm-up routine, and it's an ugly day. What are we doing out there to get warmed up for the impending round? Man, that's the easiest one. Either uh, go play band and preserve if you can, if there's tea times available. If not, and it's Thursday through Sunday, you go to shorties, and you get some swings in playing roll holes because you don't waste your time hitting golf balls. It's Get your gear on and go start making some swings. Like that. Excellent. So we've been out there for nine holes. We've been battling the elements. We've got uh, Super Looper Lynchy on the bag. Maybe Schuster's out there taking some photos. We're heading to the turn. What's our ultimate go-to snack at Bandit? We've got uh, a homemade recipe by uh, our culinary team, which is incredible. We call them protein golf balls. There's four of them in there. Um, best snack there is. Like that. So everybody listening, that's your go-to snack. Cheaper than a six-pack and a pack of cigarettes. Probably a lot healthier than anything else that's on the menu. But uh, shout-out to the culinary team out there as well. Love that. Maybe give us some insight into one of your favorite golf memories for question number seven. Something that really, really resonated the first time you stepped on the property at Bandon. First time at Bandon? On the, on the property uh, in general. I think one of the, uh, there's a couple of cool spots. One is the 12th hole Bandon Dunes. It's the first hole that was ever built. Um, great little par three, plays tough, 155 yards. Uh, you got to play it well every time. Without that hole being so great, the other 17 don't get built and it's a wash. You got 14 up at Trails, which is the highest point on property. Uh, it's where Mike Kaiser went with Shorty Dow when he first went to view the land and said, yep, let's do it. Let's buy it. You've got a uh, five-mile point out at Sheep Ranch, which is the third green and 16 green, uh, both par threes, about as panoramic and beautiful as it gets. All three of those, perfect. Postcard memories. Love that. Derek, you can, uh, you can validate. From the yeah, he's side. not wrong. I, I'm going to probably throw five, six, seven at the preserve in there too. I think that's another spot that just kind of eats you up and you kind of get lost in that side of it when you're playing in the preserve. But he hit them all. I, I just, when you see, and then of course, when especially when if you can get 12 on in in the sunset at BD, is he hit them. Pretty special. Question number eight. Let's take a, take a journey outside of the U.S. Maybe give us some of your favorite golf courses outside of North America, maybe somewhere over in Europe, something you played that really stands out. 
So uh, I'll start with the most recent. This past summer, we went to Dominican Republic, Casa de Campo, had a great week there. Um, my family, my brother and niece and sister-in-law, my dad, we all went. Um, awesome. Uh, obviously, you hear Teeth of the Dog, but Dive 4 and, and uh, the links up there are great golf courses. We popped over to Punacana one day as well. Um, I've been to Scotland once. North Berwick is probably one of my favorite golf courses in all time. Uh, we're headed back there this coming uh, summer. And um, I just think that that's a golf course that can never be built nowadays because you can't put the things that they have into a golf course. And it's awesome. Um, it's the old course of St. Andrews obviously is impressive that it's you know, been there that long and it's still as relevant as it is today. And um, I, I can't wait to go explore more. We need to connect you with our man, Gordon Sherry. He's kind of like the mayor of every city in Scotland. So um, 95 British amateur champ, six foot nine, pretty famous in those parts, but we'll connect. He, I played in a pro-am with him at Kings Barnes. He can flat move it. And Jeff, just a little side note. I write a letter to the president of North Bedick every single year asking to see if I can be a member and I'm 0 for 14 so far. They have no interest in me, but I'm never going to stop writing that letter. Cause as you said, you just get lost in a golf course that would never exist in today's world. Yeah. It's so cool out there. I got to say, if you ever get a chance to get over to Texas, David is uh, <laughs> campaigning right now for the mayor of Wimberley, Texas. I don't know if they have any golf there, but uh, other <laughs> Sure. There's an abandoned core Crenshaw that I'm excited to bring back. <laughs> That's going to be the campaign. All right. Question I, number nine. My first, my first job as mayor of Wimberley, Texas. I love it. Vote for David. 2026, something like that. Question number nine. We always like to ask our guest the cliche question. If you could pick four people to play golf with, dead or alive, friends, ex-wives, who would they be and why? So my, my instant four, I play with literally every weekend. So I'm going to put them aside. Um, I, I would probably go, um, my dad would be in there. He's the one that got me into golf. Um, so it'd be fantastic. Uh, I put my grandpa in there. He's the one that hauled me all over to golf courses as a junior to be able to play five days a week uh, for 10 years probably. Um, boy, that last spot, uh, I'll probably put my brother in there, um, because that greatest, greatest time of my life was basically from like sixth grade through 12th grade of just playing golf every day, whether it was 18, 36, whatever it'd be my, my brother, my grandpa, who knows? We, we didn't care who we played with. We just played golf every day. Love that. Yeah, the family piece. We're gonna give you one more player. We'll let you play five today as long as you keep the play, keep the pace. Who do you want to play with the family? Uh, or not, your wife, maybe. I, I'm good. I, I I'd take anyone. I just like to play golf. I'm sure D Lane keep says, up. You can play. Stand in there. I'm like, I'll <laughs> sign up. I'll sign up. Sounds like a good time. There we go. Tom, I'm going to hand it over to you for the last question of the evening. Okay, bud. Uh, yeah, it's what I, I'm having a tough time figuring out which direction I want to go with this. Sometimes I like to ask a sentimental moment of life that you've never shared with anyone else. But I think knowing 
where you come from and, and what you have access to on a daily basis. I think the question has to be about the future of the game and like, how do you take what Bandon has done and like instill inspiration into people who come there and want to play the game. And we've had this major influx of new golfers over COVID that like, what is the key to like growing the game for the next 150 years, let's call it. So I think one of my, um, one of the most underrated stats is when Bandon Dunes opened in 1999, it was one of 305 golf courses that opened that year, I think. And when old McDonald opened in 2010, it was one of two golf courses that opened that year. So in the nineties, golf courses were just being pumped out. They were developments and it was build golf courses, homes, not sustainable. Uh, one of Mike Kaiser's, abilities within the golf industry was build sustainable golf, build in remote places. It can be walking only. You don't have to have carts. Um, he's probably the largest supporter of caddies that there is in the world, but, but trying to create jobs in these golf ecosystems. And if you look at his ideas, aren't necessarily new or revolutionary. It's what's happening in Scotland. It's golf is woven into the fabric and, and if the game needs to, if you want it to survive, it's got to be relevant. It's got to be relevant more than just what's happening on the PGA Tour on Sundays. And it's fun to watch what those guys can do. But again, it's easy to lose sight of the fact that those are the best players in the world on their best day hitting the best shots they can. You don't see who finishes last on TV. So they struggled like we all struggle. And, and that's the hard part is golf is not easy. Um, COVID, I think, gave it a big boost in the arm. That's kind of a pun intended there with uh, <laughs> yeah, nice. your vaccine. That's good. I like well, that. Like, I, was, I thought you were talking about my Seattle tattoo. But <laughs> my band Get outside <laughs> and enjoy yourself and walk. When D Lane played 103 holes, he put 30 plus miles on his legs that day. He didn't do it in a cart. Um, he out, was out there earning that. I mean, golf's great because you can play it whether you're six years old or 96 years old, and you don't have to play it every week for every year. You can come and go as it fits in your life. So if something pops up, put it on the back shelf and wait till you have time to play golf again. Um, you know, other sports, you have such a, a, a limited range. You, you know, my kids playing basketball, they, they literally have four years in high school to play and then they're done. Golf's great that way. I love it. I think, yeah, just kind of touching on that sustainability point that's like almost the most important aspect of it, given like the 90s were a boom and everyone was just doing gaudy whatever, like let's build the most outlandish thing rather than like the philosophy of like, here's this piece of land that exists here. How do we how do we pick something that we can like, you're not going to constantly have to like maintain, like it can kind of do its own thing and we're, oh, sorry, phone was ringing. And yeah, we're just, let's harness the energy of what it is so that it's sustainable for the long term. And then like, I love the talk about the caddies and how Mike Kaiser is big proponent of them. Cause it's like, yeah, there's these people that are super connected to the game, but it's like, if the, if the positions within the game start to fall off, then like they end up going and working at a bank or doing these things to pull them away from it so that they're not constantly adding to the fuel in it. Like if there's a caddy that Lynchy or let's call it that, is out there has this crazy passion for the game and I come down and play golf with him like his energy is gonna like 
affect my soul. And like, I'm going to leave with that. Then maybe I tell my buds about the time I was at abandoned with Lynch on my bag. And he showed me the shot that I didn't think existed. And it's like, that all is part of that, keeping the story and the, and the beauty of the game alive. Well, and, and you guys hit on it, you know, we've talked about it uh, for a while now and, and how much fun it is to play golf on the ground. But what I don't think people realize, and, and I think a great way to close this is, is that to make success streamlined, but make it feel like it's not, is not an easy thing. Okay. When you go to band and you feel like you are one of one. Okay, that's the whole part. And where Jeff and all of his team and that whole organization has really, really accelerated the thought process in my business, what I'm going to say, our business, they've made you feel unique to over a thousand people a day. So if you really think about the, the justification of what it takes to be great and how you streamline a professional golf association and you do all of these things, well, Bandon's figured out this way that they're growing in a world, whether COVID or not, they're going to continue to grow because of excellence. They're going to grow because they do it right. And I think that what we don't get a lot of credit for in our business is how we touch people and make them feel like golf is the game of uniqueness. It's the game of originality. It's the game of your soul. It's you V the course, right? We don't need anyone else. You need equipment and you need a place to play. And I think that when you always hear the cliche as it was meant to be, that is Bannon Dunes to me, okay? Jeff, his team, operationally, from start to time when you call in, there is an online booking because they want individually to tell you what you should experience. You sit down, there's going to be something. You might go for the meatloaf. You might go for a filet. You might go for something even bigger. You don't know. Everybody's going to be different. But imagine your mission statement being providing the best opportunity on the best facility, but yet making it unique to just you. So you feel like you're the only one there, whether it's the caddy that you have, who you request, how you dress, what you do, all of that really funnels through this thought process of how Jeff, his team, Bandon Dunes, and it starts with Mike, right? It's a game that is meant to be walked. Jeff, you know, carts are not part of the world, and, and I adore that. I, I just don't have any time for golf carts. But more importantly, if you want to carry it, you can do that. I think you should have to take a caddy, but that's just me. I just think it's that's what you're there. But if you want to put it on your back, if you want to put it on a, on a rickshaw, you have the opportunity to take your own mold and you get to do it the way you want to do it. And they're going to provide that. And you're going to think that they did everything and you don't even know it. And I just think that that's such a unique thought process. So I'm really, really thankful you came on tonight, Jeff. I, I know when we called and, and we said we wanted to do this, and I know you get asked to do a lot of these, but I think it's going to mean a lot to our audience and, and what we're trying to grow this into and the simple fact that there are people like you who are doing things the right way. And most importantly, not really wanting credit for it, not looking for any of that admiration. You just want people to experience what is the best property in the world to play golf. And I, I give you hundred percent kudos on that. Well, I appreciate that. You know, the biggest shout out is, you know, to the, the, entire team of 650 staffers at Bannon Dunes and the 400 caddies, you know, people come for the golf and, and the biggest thing we hear when they leave is how great the service and staff was. And again, that that's what gets you to come back. Um, there's so many golf courses out there that you could just hit a nine iron from wherever each of us are and probably find something close to us. But, you know, to make it a, a trip like you do for Bannon Dunes, we've got to do certain things to make sure that you come back. And, um, you know, from, from Mike Kaiser on down, that's part of what we aim to do. And it's find a way to say yes, because again, 
everyone has a little bit different idea. Let's make it happen and let's get out of the way. Let's let people play golf and have a good time. Love it. Can't thank you enough, Jeff. My sentiment uh, echoes what Derek has to say. I mean, it's fantastic to, to get to know people in the industry like yourself and share your story because a lot of you guys don't get a spotlight, don't get a microphone shoved in your face and you're, you're working in the, in the shadows and in, in silence. So fantastic. Can't wait to experience the property. I know I speak for the rest of the guys. We will definitely get up there and try and get you out on the golf course at some point, but uh, yeah, all in all, keep doing what you do. Wish you uh, all the best through the season and take it easy on those kids. Cause they're going to be beating up on you hard for the next little while. <laughs> for a long, long time i'm on the wrong side of the bell curve on that one it's all good right. you're on the right side you get to watch them grow up and do great things there you go and i also just want to say to all our listeners happy holidays um enjoy the week be safe drink responsibly uh drink hechos when you can and uh, enjoy the, the holiday season hey jeff thanks again so much i hope you have a great night happy holidays and uh, merry christmas to all yours thank you guys let me know if you ever need me to come back on love to talk golf Happy holidays. Absolutely. Thanks, Thanks, Jeff. Take care.